This is the po- Cafe American Podcast. I'm your host, Christian D. George. And this is a political podcast. We talk about, uh, well, politics, current events, and whatever else decides to leak out of my mind. Uh, smut, who knows what else. So what are the big stories that occurred over the last time since we uh, did a podcast was George Bush's death, George Bush Sr.'s death. And everyone all of a sudden was like, oh my goodness, he was such an honorable man. I cannot believe, and there is a visitor today. Uh, a little dog is with me today, and I'm, uh, well, dog, with dog. Well, she, you know, I, if you know me on a personal level, uh, I am a soft touch when it comes to dogs. Whatever they want, cheeseburgers, pizzas, whatever, it's theirs. Anyway, uh, so yeah, George Bush Sr. decided to kick the bucket, finally. And all of the NBC, CN, all the liberal and uh, leaning folks, oh, he was such an honorable president. And he, he, we haven't had such a magnanimous person in office, well, since him or since Barack Obama. And yeah, right, a couple of years. And we were so thankful to have someone like him in office because he truly respected American values, even though he was a dastardly Republican. Yeah, no, that's not. This person is a war criminal, George Bush. There's plenty of implications to him, tying him to the JFK assassination. That's one. Two, Iran Contra, where. They're running drugs throughout Central America. It's a, you know, the whole thing. And there are plenty of rumors. There are plenty of rumors of him uh, being involved in drug rings. And the Washington Times came out with one above the fold story. And this is a long time ago. Uh, the Washington Times is a newspaper that I, it's still around, but it's kind of small, has very, very low circulation. And the headline this was on June. 29th, if I can read it here, uh, June 29th, 1989, from the Washington Times. You can look this up. It says, Homosexual Prostitution Inquiry ensnares VIPs with Reagan and Bush. Quote-unquote, call boys took midnight tour of the White House. So what they were doing was, is that they were hiring, essentially, boys on midnight tours of the White House and using them as prostitutes or prostituting out these young boys, essentially pedophilia, if we're to believe this story from the Washington Times. That was the one and only time this story was brought up in any sort of mainstream way. Uh, so yeah, that was another thing. Uh, the, the biggest thing with George Bush Sr. was the Iraq War. And the whole thing was, oh, well, the, the evil Saudis invaded Kuwait, and so we needed to go in there and liberate it so that the Saudi uh, – not uh, not the evil Saudis. They are evil. Don't get me wrong. The evil Iraqis invaded Kuwait, and we need to protect Saudi interests and our friends in the Gulf region, so we should liberate Kuwait because we cannot have another country invading Kuwait or any other country in the Middle East. Well, the, the whole thing is a farce because Iraq came up with evidence. They provided evidence to the United States and its embassy at the time that proved that Kuwait was diagonally drilling into oil fields in Iraqi territory. 
So Iraq said and asked the United States, so what do you think about all this? And the United States ambassador said, we have no uh, interest or no something along those lines, something very vague, no interest in the borders of Iraq and Kuwait. Or no, we have Essentially, they were giving them a, 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 a we're going to turn a blind eye. We don't have any interest in this. We don't care about this. And as soon as Kuwait, uh, Iraq does something about this and invades Kuwait, then everybody cries foul, and they march in there and destroy Iraq. The Iraqi army was not going to fight back against any sort of coalition. And the way uh, Bush got in there and did it was that before he was able, or before he went into Congress and got a supposed declaration of war, not a declaration of war, but some something a little bit lower than that would, that would authorize him to use that kind of force, he went to the United Nations, and the United Nations approved a show of force and use of force before the Congress of the United States did. So it would put Congress in a rough spot if they were to say, no, we don't want to go after Iraq in Kuwait, after the United Nations had already said yes. So this is he's, – he's not a good person. He's, he's, you can find all sorts of other evil things about him and his whole family, uh, you know, funding the Nazis during World War II – uh, being on Hitler's side during that time and in the 30s. You know, you find all sorts of stories like that. You can do your own research. I'm not going to really go into it. But but the thing I will go into is stop. Stop with the just patronizing and self-effacing fawning over, you know, the death of George Bush. Give me an effing break. You guys didn't care about him, and he wasn't a good person. He was not a good person. So stop saying he was so, oh, gosh, oh, no, no, not at all. The other uh, fun thing that came out was that Cohen from uh, the Trump camp, he got the book thrown at him. Uh, and Cohen to get substantial prison time for serious crimes despite him cooperating with Mueller. Well, what did you expect? Now, here's the funny thing about Cohen. I sort of sound like Andy Rooney today. Do you ever wonder why? Here's the funny thing about Cohen. Cohen made one sort of statement to Mueller. And then when Mueller came back and said, oh, no, not good enough. You're going to get nailed for, with all of this, and this is what you're going to have to be stuck with. Once that happened... Cohen changed his testimony in an, in an attempt to reduce his sentence and look better in Mueller's eyes. And what did Mueller do? Mueller said, well, tough shit. It doesn't matter. So this is where you get the whole thing that Cohen went in there and said, well, technically, Donald Trump, uh, we, we concluded any sort of hotel deal with Russia or in Russia in, uh, what was it, June? No, January or, or something like that. January of 2016. Well, it turned out that they didn't do that, and they kept talking until June of 2016. And so that's kind of illegal in some sense or something like that. But it, the, the big thing here is that the original testimony didn't, didn't match. So Mueller got pissed off, and they thought that they were going to get a weaker sentence for Cohen, and it didn't work because Mueller is a prick. And he does this to people all of the time. He will throw innocent people in prison in hopes that they, quote-unquote, flip uh, so that he can get the evidence 
that he wants against the people that he wants thrown in prison or impeached in this case. Well, it doesn't it doesn't work like that. And all of the Democrats, uh, CNN and NBC, oh, it's the, now it's Trump's time. He Trump is going to get impeached and thrown into prison. No, he's not. He is not. At worst, he's going to get fined for not uh, not throwing his funds around properly. Just like Barack Obama got fined for not using campaign funds properly. Just like Bush got, just like Clinton. They all do it. They all do it. And they get nailed with a fine, and then they continue on with their lives. At best, at best, Trump is going to be in possible hot water at the end of his presidency. And so that could be in two years. It could be in six years. This, he's not going to go anywhere. And no matter how many wet dreams and no matter how hard the liberals flap about this, it, it, he is here to stay. He's not going to go anywhere. And you've got to get over it. And you've got to realize it. I mean, you, 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 pull your head. I, I see some of these things on Twitter with these people, and they are rabid. They're bizarre. They are so bizarre. They do not see anything else. I can provide evidence, and they go, well, see, another theory out there. No, it's not a theory, jackass. The theory is what you're trying to prove, which you can't prove. We've not seen one evidence of collusion with Russia and Trump. Not one piece of evidence. That's another thing. Uh, the Democrats are set to take over the Judiciary Committee, I believe, in January, and immediately— before they're even in there, they're saying, yeah, we're going to squash any sort of investigations into the um, political bias of the FBI or the Department of uh, Justice when it comes to Russiagate and Donald Trump. Well, right there it proves that there's political bias. And right there you're telling me or allowing me to infer that there are things to be found, and you don't want them to be found. So you're going to squash the whole investigation. Now, in this day and age, if there is an allegation, we must do everything in our power to make sure that that allegation is false, no matter how long it takes and no matter how many lives we ruin. But then you have Democrats that go, nah, no, no, nothing happened here. Move along, move along. We'll brush it under the rug. Nonsense. Nonsense. So according to Axios, Mueller... Uh, met with Cohen on seven occasions, and there are four main points. Cohen provided information about his contacts with Russian interests, including his and others' involvement in the Russian project or the Moscow project and Russia's outreach to the campaign. Uh, two, synergy on a government level. One Russian national claiming to be a trusted person in the Russian Federation reached out and claimed they could offer the campaign synergy on a government level. Three, by virtue of his regular contact with company executives during the campaign, Cohen provided the special counsel's office, Mueller, useful information concerning certain discrete Russia-related matters core to its investigation. And for the White House link, Cohen provided relevant and useful information about his contacts with persons connected to the White House from 2017 to 2018. Uh, okay. In and around November of 2015... Cohen received the contact information for and spoke with a Russian national who claimed to be a trusted person in the Russian Federation who could offer the campaign political synergy and synergy on a government level. The defendant recalled that this person repeatedly proposed a meeting between individual one and the president of Russia. 
He had, in fact, conferred with individual one about contacting the Russian government before reaching out to gauge Russia's interest in such a meeting. And the meeting ultimately did not take place. So what did he do? He, saw, he tried to get somebody to meet with him, and they told him to go pound sand. Then, if you read a lot of the transcripts and you read in between the lines, Cohen, Cohen was trying to get a meeting with Putin. And what they were trying to do was get a lot of publicity to this Moscow project. And what they wanted to do was give Putin a $50 million penthouse because what happens is if Putin gets the penthouse, then other buyers in the Russian market say, ooh, I want to be like Putin. We should buy penthouses in this apartment complex as well. Okay, big deal. They do it all of the time. Presidents and leaders of nations get gifts. Look at Hillary Clinton. She got $500,000 worth of jewels from the Saudis when she was in office. This happens all of the time on both sides of the aisle. And this is when Trump was running for president before he even got into the presidency. So yeah, they are working on a deal. When is it illegal, to quote Rand Paul, when is it illegal to build a hotel in Russia? Thank you. It's not. This is nothing. This is absolutely nothing. And one of the ways, one of the ways that Cohen tried to get in touch with high-ranking people in Russia was literally going to a Russian government website and hitting the contact us button and sending an email through the website. You know those like, oh, if you've got a concern, please write your concern here, give us your name, your telephone number, and email address, and we will get back to you within 72 hours. That kind of deal. He didn't have anybody in there. He didn't get in touch with anybody. He didn't know anybody. He know no one. Absolutely no one. And so the, he, he just went through a website. And this is the damning evidence that the Trump campaign is connected to Russia. Because some fucking idiot tried to email somebody through a help desk, through a chat, a help chat on the side of a website. Yeah, that's that's really damning here. No, this you're grasping at straws. And you and, and oh my god. This is this is infuriating. It's stupid too. So stupid. So now, I mean, the, the, then we've got another thing. Well, Trump's response to all of this was that Cohen should get everything he deserves, even whatever the sentence is. And according to uh, Mueller, they want New York prosecutors to give Cohen a slightly downward variance of jail time to 42 months. And Trump is saying, no, forget about it. I don't want to deal with this. And he gets everything he deserves. So... Now Trump is saying this totally clears the president. And after two years and millions of pages of documents that cost over $30 million, there is no collusion. This is collusion illusion. There's no smoking gun here. Okay, so this is interesting. Uh, somebody uh, by the name – not somebody, but Bill Mitchell on Twitter said, I'm confused on the Cohen testimony. He said Trump had no knowledge of him reaching out to the Russians, but then when he found out – it would get him a more lenient sentence. He said he did recall discussing this with Trump. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, the other part of this is 
why did he change the testimony? So he's lying in one point or at one phase or another. He's either lying about what Mueller wants him to say, what, what Mueller is trying to frame him for, saying that, well, I, I lied to protect the president, but since you're going to work with me here and give me a more lenient sentence, this is what really happened. And negotiations kept going on until June and didn't stop in January. So either he lied about that, which is a lie right there, or he's lying about how the project went off and, went and continued until June because he's trying to save his own skin by saying that really there is a lot more going on than what I originally told you. Either way, he's a liar. And so if you try to bring a liar into court to prove something, immediately, immediately his integrity is questioned. So you're trying to prove a case against a president and impeach a president using a liar as your main witness. Does that work? No, it doesn't. Because once he has lied, it's always assumed that anything else that he says is going to be a lie. And his testimony is subject to, to, to bullshit. It's bullshit. This is one casual observer uh, that did make a good point on Twitter. Don't take this as a defense of Trump. Just a casual observation. He has no political insurance policy as an outsider. So they were talking about referencing the insurance policy that all of these guys made up just in case Trump got into office. We'll come up with the Russiagate thing. It begs the questions as to why Clintons and perhaps Obamas were not investigated this thoroughly. Answer, they had leverage on their opponents, meaning anybody that was going against them, they had the goods on them so there was nothing that they could say about this then comey okay so this is going to be interesting so comey testified and according to trump comey uh didn't <coughs> excuse me he didn't tell the truth 245 times and what trump meant by that is he, he either lied about not knowing or he said i don't remember or he said i played pled the fifth or plead the fifth 245 times during his testimony. So that is one that's pretty telling. And two, this is going to be very interesting because we find out during this during the testimony that the main reason why they took out the FISA court warrants was because of the Christopher Steele dossier. And the same people that were spreading around the dossier, they were basically performing circular evidence. So different people within the government were all given the Christopher Steele dossier and different people were all submitting their evidence that Donald Trump was colluding with Russia using the Christopher Steele dossier as their main piece of evidence. However, they're not specifically referencing the Christopher Steele dossier. And we find out through Comey that he, as of May 2017, when he, or 2000, yes, 2017, when he could not even verify the validity of the Christopher Steele dossier. So they decided to spy on American citizens using circular evidence, meaning the same piece of evidence submitted by different people by di from different directions, right? So you got this, this same thing is validated uh, through Congress, through a senator, through a rep House of Representatives, through a uh, FBI, through CIA. They're all using the same document, but making it look like it didn't come from the same document to try and get out a FISA warrant so that they can spy on the Trump campaign illegally. And they did not even investigate the Christopher Steele dossier. And by the time Comey left the FBI, they still could not verify any of the claims of the Christopher Steele dossier. 
So if you can't verify any of the claims, then there is no Russiagate. There is nothing going on with Russia. And this comes from Lurch's testimony. He's supposed to come back. And they're going to try to make him testify under oath. And I hope that they do this. I hope they finally nail this asshole along with all the others. Because they're also supposed to try to get Loretta Lynch involved in all this. And she was the attorney general at the time. And remember when Clinton met her on the tarmac and and then all of a sudden Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton met her on the tarmac illegally. You're not supposed to do that during a campaign. And then all of a sudden any allegations against Hillary Clinton, poof, went up in smoke. And there were also reports of uh, Loretta Lynch crying during that meeting with Bill Clinton because essentially Bill Clinton, even though he pretends to be, oh, so nice and lovable and everything else, he's a thug. He's a part of a crime family, the Clinton crime family, just like the Bushes are part of a crime family. So they were threatening people. And finally, I'll leave you with this. Uh, there is a whistleblower and they're, uh, from the Clinton Foundation, the Clinton Foundation CFO. So, And this is from uh, The Hill. Uh, he, and CFO Andrew Kessel made an admission to investigators from a group called MDA Analytics. And it is a firm that is run by accomplished, quote-unquote, ex-federal criminal investigators and they're looking into the clinton foundation they have six thousand pages of evidence from this whistleblower alone and they are digging around the clinton foundation taxes kessel told nda analytics there is no controlling bill clinton he does whatever he wants and he runs up incredible expenses with foundation funds according to the interview bill clinton mixes and matches his personal business with that of the foundation many people within the foundation have tried to caution him about this but he doesn't listen and there is really no talking to him about this they engage in illegal activities unpaid taxes they owe millions according to this guy and it's all a slush fund so if somebody wanted something done or if like uh like saudi arabia or somebody else if they wanted something done and they needed the State Department to back them up, what they would do is they would pay the Clinton Foundation and then lo and behold, they would get all these contracts and tariffs would be removed or sanctions would be removed or lowered or lessened because, well, you pay to play. And since you paid the Clinton Foundation and Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton would use that as their little piggy bank to do whatever the hell they wanted to do, then yes, you're going to get favors done. And nobody on Twitter, nobody in the Democrats can see how this works. This isn't fucking hard. Nobody can see how this works. Nobody can see how Hillary Clinton has allies on a bureaucratic level that are these people are not elected. They are appointed. At, at worst, they're appointed. At best, they get promoted from within. So these people are, are are in there, and they have allies with the Hillarys, with the Hillary Clintons and the Bill Clintons out there. And none of the Democrats can buy this. None of the lefts can buy this, can understand that there are factions within government agencies. They don't understand this. Or if they want to claim that there are factions, it's only for Trump, and it's only for Russia. Pro-Russia, pro-Trump. Th- those are the only factions in the government. Otherwise, it's altruistic. Bullshit. So... We continue here. In addition to the IRS, the firm's partners have had contact with prosecutors from the Maine Justice Department in Washington, D.C. and FBI agents in Little Rock, Arkansas. 
And the memo also claims that Kessel confirmed to the private investigators that private lawyers reviewed the foundation's practices in both 2008 and in 2011, and there were widespread problems with governance, accounting, and conflicts of interest. 95 exhibits, including internal legal reviews that, foundation, that the foundation conducted on itself in 2008 and 2011, supports the 60 the 6,000 pages from the CFO, Kessel. So this, essentially what they were doing is, they were just using this as their little piggy bank. So they're trying to get the IRS involved here using evidence that was generated from MDA analytics. And let me tell you something, this is a pretty big deal because the CFO of the whole thing, to quote him, knows where the bodies are buried. So the chickens are coming home to roost on the Clintons, finally. And there's going to be, unfortunately, not that not a big showdown, but it's going to be more of an Al Capone kind of deal. And I'll throw him in prison for a couple of weeks because of tax evasion and not playing fair with the funds. So that's it for me. This is Christian with the Cafe American podcast. I'm your intrepid host, and I swear to God, I will be doing more of these. Just stay tuned. It has been a, a, yeah, like last time I told you, it took me seven goddamn times to get through a podcast. I recorded five 40-minute podcasts only for them to be destroyed by this goddamn phone. So I don't know what the hell is going on. Thankfully, I made it through this time. Until next time, this is Cafe American. You can find me on YouTube, Twitter, Podbean. And uh, where else? Uh, somewhere else. You can find me there, too. Uh, have a good one. This is, once again it for me.